Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller and today I'm joined by Johnny, if you look at Scott Allen's pass from this angle, McFarlane, (laughs) and Chris Doyle, who's presumably in an upbeat frame of mind after getting to watch seven goals for the price of just one ticket at Celtic Park last night. On today's pod, we'll be conducting a post-mortem following Celtic's disastrous European exit. So Celtic went into last night's game knowing that even a 0-0 draw would have been sufficient. Their away goal in Romania made them clear favourites to go through, particularly when they consider when you consider the ruthless performances that they've shown so far against likes of St Johnston and Motherwell this season. However, it didn't quite go to plan. Even with 14 minutes remaining, Celtic were going through, yet somehow contrived to lose the decisive goal with 10 minutes remaining, and another as they chased the game deep into injury time. It finished 4-3 Cluj on the night, 5-4 in aggregate, and Chris, you were there last night. Take us through your thoughts as you watched that horror show unfold. Yeah, it was just it was a strange game, really. Um, first half, um, Celtic they looked alright, nothing brilliant. Um, they were just kind of struggling to make it. Looked uh, alright in the first half? Nothing. Chris, they were <laughs> dreadful. They were absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Yeah, but there's still, I think there was still like that, there was still, well, at halftime, obviously 1-0 one, one down. There was still, they left, they let in, that was really Cluj, that goal they scored. It wasn't really, that was only kind of instance they threatened them. Right, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you talk. I'm not going to jump in here. I disagree okay. profoundly. Right, okay. I just want to well, register, Adam. Po- my well, right, well, the, but <laughs> noted, and I'll come okay. to you later. The point was, they weren't playing great, but there's still 45 minutes to go. And they came out second half, first so was it 20, 25 minutes, um, and on the front foot, went right at Cluj, and they, they looked good, creating a lot of chances. Ended up overturning the deficit 2-1, and then at that point you're thinking, right, that's it, game set and match, they're going to just go on, get a third goal maybe, or just kind of kind of hold on to that lead. And from then it just went, it was just abs- it was crazy. Uh, so I think that, I think is the manner of the defeat with Celtic, there was just... Um, quite shocking. It wasn't one of those ones where they kind of they struggled to make opportunities, and there was just that one goal. I mean, they conceded four goals, and that's just not going to cut it. So, it's just a strange game the way it unravelled. Um, obviously, you know, I don't think you really fault Celtic going forward, scoring three no. goals, all really nice goals. So, that all the you just have to, you know, the fingers are getting pointed at their defence, letting them four goals at home to a side of the quality of, of Cluj. Um, yeah, it's just not really going to get it done. I think that was obviously their downfall. Yeah. Johnny, you had something to say. Yeah, look, I just thought they were absolutely dreadful in that first half. They, they were powder puff. They couldn't deal with Cluj's press, which is actually a theme now. When Celtic get pressed high up the pitch, they struggle. Motherwell put the press on them in the first 15 minutes of the game on Sunday, and it was very effective until Motherwell tired out. Rangers did it three times in the last three old form games and caused Celtic serious problems every single time. They struggle to pass through it or to have an answer to how they're going to get around it. And uh, Cluj showed that last night. The minute they got their goal, they sat, they sat back deep and said, right, okay, you've got to come and, and, and get us now. And they hit on the break and looked really, really, really dangerous. Um, I agree with Chris completely about the second half. Celtic were immense going forward in the second half. Ryan Christie... Um, James Forrest, uh, who we talked about in the podcast yesterday, I thought was was excellent as well. Odson Edward continues to improve, um, and what a player he's becoming. But oh my god, that, that's all you can say about that defence and that defensive midfield. It was genuinely appalling. So going into last night's game, could you sort of conceive of any scenario in which Celtic, in a game of that magnitude at home, lost four goals? 
I think we talked about yesterday on the podcast that Celtic had to be switched on because Kludge were a dangerous side. Um, but even though we said that, and I, I warned about that, I, no, I could not imagine them losing, especially losing four goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It really is a terrible indictment on the way they set up for the game. Yeah. And, and it speaks volumes about both the recruitment in the defensive areas, because Neil Lennon had £10 million of, attack, of defensive talent on the bench, which I think is a, a stat that you're going to hear quite a lot over the coming days. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's true. And because of the fact that the, the the way they actually set up as a defensive block when they had total control of the game was just completely at odds with what you would expect from from a pragmatic guy like Neil Lennon. Yeah, it was anti Neil Lennon. Where was the game management? It was it was it was, it was bizarre to watch. Yeah, Chris, in the stadium last night, did you feel there was a sense whenever Cluj attacked? That there was a vulnerability about Celtic. Yeah, even just like sort of, even if it was just a ball going over the top, and I think it was just maybe if it was Simonovic or Ayer, they weren't so great dealing with it in the air, and it was always that kind of that second ball that mm-hmm. f- the whole night I felt like Clues were getting to that second ball, and they were uh, like the defenders were letting the ball bounce, and then yeah, Clues were just I think were winning those fifty fifties, and that was kind of within the support that was definitely make them uneasy because they're thinking like obviously Cluj are up for this and Celtic are they're looking just a bit rusty do you know what I mean yeah um so yeah I've, I've definitely uneasy even after we went 2-1 up and then they, uh, they went up 3-2 I think it was just a case of yeah Celtic just weren't looking kind of at their best right from the off there's you know I mean? 14 it, it kinda, minutes to go at that point <sighs> why on earth does Neil Lennon decide to continue this attack, attack, attack approach? Yeah. Now, I get that they'd been excellent going forward in the second half, but they had looked shaky. Mm-hmm. Every time Cluj attacked, they looked like they could cause Celtic problems. But surely Neil Lennon goes, there's only 14 minutes left. If we get through this against a team who, they're not full of creative sparks. You know, yeah. they're dangerous because they're big, they're physical, they're good at set pieces, they get in about you. But they're not a team that's going to like play through you in little triangles, like playing like you know Guardiola's Barcelona or anything like that. It's it just seems obvious that you would block up that midfield. You've got a very very attacking midfield three of Christie and Cham and Brown. Only Brown's a sitter in there or someone capable of putting his foot in the ball or making a tackle. Um, and defensive area, not putting a foot on the ball. That's wrong because Cham's a very very good ball player. What I mean is putting a tackle in. Um, I think he had to bring on another yeah, player that bringing could on control. Maybe Beaton at that time would have been absolutely, exactly. absolutely perfect. He would have been perfect for it. And also just to kind of, also he's quite composed in the ball, so he could just get the ball down, play the simple pass, mm. and, you know, kind of just eat into the clock. I, um, but I'm told Neil Lennon was asked on. about it by the press guys after the game, and he said the way the game was flowing, I just felt that we needed a, another goal and that there could have been easily a Cluj set piece if we'd tried to shut the game down and then you have to try and spring out of defence into a sort of more attacking side with, with, with maybe a couple of minutes to go or whatever. He just felt that he needed that fourth goal. So I do I do appreciate that and what he's saying with that. But, you know, as a manager, you're judged on getting these things right. And he, he got that wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of all, there were many gripes about uh, Lennon last night among the Celtic fans. And uh, the biggest one was almost certainly the decision to start Callum McGregor at left back. Lennon later justified the decision by saying people can point at that, but he did set up our equaliser and I thought he had a very good game. I don't think the left-hand side was really the problem tonight. 
He elaborated on that when he was talking to BBC Scotland. He said, I just wanted to get Encham into the team. The more technicians in the team, the better. Obviously, he's right in suggesting that the left-hand side wasn't the only problem, but Chris, Callum McGregor at left-back, um, any I, idea what he was thinking? I completely disagree with that because even in the first 10, 15 minutes, McGregor looked just like just uncomfortable, uncomfortable is the yep. word because he was even with his passes up to Johnston and his, he was losing the ball in those areas. So I think there were signs early on that that was a bad choice. Hmm. Never mind you go back to that game. Brendan Rodgers tried it against... Rangers kind of before New Year and yeah it was one of the worst kind of performances you shouldn't put your best players sort of out of position and I think that's why a lot of people were quite outraged by it but yeah just it was from early on he should have changed it because fair enough you're trialing it to get in jamming I understand that but then you then you as the game's unfolding even a half especially like half time that's your chance right move McGregor into midfield and I think he ended up doing it when it was free each with like what like less than 10 minutes to go um, so I do think that I mean what would have really stopped playing McGregor and Incham in there like couldn't they have just I mean ball and golly like has he really been that bad that you like can't put a natural left back in yeah. knowing that like you are going to have more of the ball so isn't that actually a good game for ball and golly to play because he'll be able to get up and support and they will no I, I, I think that's know. after the fact looking back with retrospect ball and golly has been a bomb yeah. scare let's be honest right great going forward but I totally understand why Neil Lennon's looked at this game and thought he was targeted in the first leg, he was targeted by Motherwell, and he's going to be targeted by Kluge. And we know that he's attacking instincts in a game like this, it's a bit of a gamble. Now, Callum McGregor, for me, the big thing is, and you've kind of alluded to it, it's not what you lose with him at left back, it's what you lose from him not being in midfield. Yeah. And I think that was pronounced, but... Regardless of ball and goalie being there or McGregor being there, Kluge targeted the left-back area again. Six minutes went by before Kluge had their first chance with a ball swung in from their left um, onto Callum McGregor. He didn't get anywhere near his man because he's not a natural defender. Yeah. He didn't get goal side of him and the Kluge player should have scored. He didn't. The next, the first goal for Kluge was, again, a ball swung in from Kluge's left onto Callum McGregor. And he failed to deal with the guy who's a big, towering uh, player, uh, Diak. And he got ahead of him. A terrific header, right enough. But that just went to show you they were targeting him and they got success out of it. Um, Neil Lennon can say that it wasn't the reason that they lost the game. and And it wasn't because in the second half, McGregor was good. But it was part of the problem. But you talked about earlier on Lennon's game management. Is that then regardless of him making the initial decision to kind of gamble with McGregor at left back, sometimes these things work and sometimes they don't. But does that suggest a kind of inflexibility with Lennon when it was clearly not working in the first half? I don't, I don't, I've never seen that from Neil Lennon before. I heard somebody say in the office earlier on, it was the most un-Lennon-like performance imaginable. Because Lennon is a pragmatist. He adjusts and adapts to the games that he plays. He's not a, he's not a Mark Warburton-esque, um, uh, guy who who sticks to a rigid philosophy, um, so it, it, it really felt like you were watching a Tony Mowbray site, hmm. or or you know, it, it wasn't like what you would expect from 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 Neil Lennon. I well, don't know if he's just doesn't have faith in any of his defenders at the moment. He's got a lot of new players coming in, and he just felt we have to just go for this because it needs to be a five three or a six three or a because we will let in goals. 
Tony Mowbray lost four goals in his last game as Celtic <laughs> manager. Are you implying something, Johnny? Yeah, well, I think the, some of the social media uh, reaction would suggest that Neil might think he's got a sh- his coat on a shugly peg, but I think that's ridiculous, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the... Obviously, Lennon deserves... Obviously, I, f- I feel like some responsibility needs to take that in terms of not making changes, but I think the underlying issue is... Uh, maybe sort of Lawwell and the board and just right. in terms of yeah. the past few windows um, last summer January usually they would in, in previous year, years Celtic would bring these players in in, in January so they can embed them into the team for the qualifiers coming up because they know they come early and that used to be their approach in years gone by but they've just reverted from that completely yeah. they have kind of done that but the players that they've bought in haven't worked so like Bayou, um Shved these guys were brought in in January but they haven't really well, come in and had an impact Sved, on the team. yeah but Sved went out on loan again so he wasn't really with the team so he's almost like a new sign in the summer yeah. Bale was always was always going to be a sort of a prospect and the two signings they did bring they did have an impact were loan signings in Way and Burke so and then you look at last summer and that missing out and McGinn bringing in players like Malumbu it's just been so it's kind of the built up those past few windows that have just been yeah just just terrible for them and I think eventually I think it just kind of came came back to bite them, I think, last night anyway. Yeah, I mean, one of the more experienced players in the team, uh, it was far from the only one at fault last night, but definitely wasn't a night to remember for Scott Brown. Uh, at 34, he might not be as, as athletic as he used to be, but one of the main arguments for his inclusion on these big nights is experience and the psychological impact that he has <laughs> on his team. Chris, when, when your vastly experienced captain is giving away a penalty for handball under absolutely zero pressure in a game as important as that one, are there question, there'll be question marks about his suitability for these big games now? I mean, I think there is, because the past two seasons, uh, Brown has started, started off basically the season so slow, um, really not up to speed whatsoever. And then he kind of picks up for the second half and he yeah. seems to play a lot better. But yeah, the past few years, he's just really, really been... He was put out of the team last year, was, uh, wasn't he? For like, um, in Cham and McGregor obviously playing well. So Rogers actually, yeah, ended up dropping him. And I don't think Celtic fans would, would have seen that coming. So I think there's there's a definite case that Lennon, for the next few weeks in terms of trying to find his best 11, like, it's, I'm not... Not sure, maybe Brown kind of fits the bill. Like, obviously, he does bring that experience, but I mean, the quality last night was just not there, and like the decision making. I mean, mm-hmm. that up to one, and then I mean, in the crowd, like um, the fans thought it was a, it was a, it was like a shove or something from the corner, and nobody really thought it was a handball. Fair enough, it was a bit away, but nobody really believed that that's yeah, why, yeah. why he would have done that. Like, mm. why it's like it was it wasn't like you're saving saving a goal like, yeah. on the it was, on the goal line. It was like the ball was almost like maybe the player was going to get to it, but it was one of those moments when you so could strange. tell that it was almost like a a, a reaction. It was it wasn't a, a brain engaging with the body to make a movement. It was a sort of impulsive yeah mm-hmm. uh, throw out of the hand, and he the way he immediately pulled it back. After touching the ball as well, it just showed um, that it wasn't something that he'd really engaged his brain with. And then he looked so sheepish after it. And he, he knew, obviously, he's a guy of experience. What I would say on Scott Brown is I wouldn't get too carried away with one game. I think he's been pretty good so far this season. And Celtic in general have been pretty good. The problem is that we've seen little snippets here and there of their defensive inadequacies. Enough that if you're being hard on them, before last night, you could have said, 
there's a definite issue with this defence. Even pre-season, I was talking about on this podcast, they were going to have issues bedding in a guy from uh, Austria who's Belgian, a guy from from France who's French, and a guy who's Israeli from the Israeli league alongside Christopher Iyer. It's four different nationalities, four different languages. Um, three of them are new to the league. It was always going to be difficult. But I think we've seen already that 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 is going to be genuinely a problem for Neil Lennon. And last night just absolutely underlined it. It went from a trickle to a flood in terms of the issues that are going to be there. Um, Celtic look electric going forward. We know that already. They scored 12 goals in the domestic games, two, two domestic games. They looked electric going forward last night in the second half once they got their act together. But that defence, it looks extremely unstable. And Neil Lennon's got a massive job on his hands to try and pull that together. So the first two league games of this season, Celtic put seven past St Johnston, five yep. past Motherwell. As you said, there's absolutely no question marks about Celtic going forward. But do you think Scottish teams can learn from the way Cluj kind of set about Celtic, particularly in the second half? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Cluj are uh, robust with a bit of pace. Um, they remind me a little bit of Steve Clark's Kilmarnock. You know, they're, they're, they're well coached, very well organised, and um, the game management from Dan Petrescu was excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, he pulled them back and then unleashed them and pulled them back and then unleashed them. Um, and it was obvious that he knew exactly what he was doing and got the result he deserved. Scottish teams, obviously, in by and large, don't have that same level of player that Cluj have. Uh, I think Cluj are a better team than the vast majority of teams in the Scottish League, with the exception of maybe Aberdeen. Um so you would need those kind of players to make that kind of impact. But I certainly think that if you push fast players high and wide against Celtic's fullbacks, you're going to get a lot of joy this year. Okay. So we talked during yesterday's podcast about how secure Celtic are financially at the moment with the £25 million generated by Kieran Tierney's sale adding to what was already a tidy amount tucked away. Yesterday, though we were both confident that Celtic would progress to the fourth qualifying round and eventually the group stage. Now they have to face the reality of another season without the Champions League windfall. Neil Lennon's already admitted that's going to have an impact on his transfer budget. Johnny, obviously the ninth successive league title is the main goal for Celtic this season, but do you think last night's result's going to cast a shadow over the rest of the campaign? I don't think it'll cast a shadow. As you say, that nine in a row is the absolute be-all and end-all this season. But at the same time, I think Celtic over the last few years, especially with Rangers not being about in the league, um, have established themselves as a, as a club um, of, of decent standing under Brendan Rodgers. You know, they've got to the Champions League uh, twice under, under his stewardship. Um, okay, they didn't perform particularly well in a few of those games. But they've still had some decent nights. And then last season, obviously, they um, qualified from the Europa League group, which had some decent teams in it. So I think Celtic fans now are in a situation where they're used to pretty reasonable European results. And Mm -hmm. and going through against teams like Cluj, this is where the Brendan Rodgers philosophy of control and uh, uh, recirculation of possession actually makes a difference in games like this. Celtic lost last night, not because they weren't a better team than Cluj, but because there was too much chaos in the game. They didn't control the game. And that's what Brendan Rodgers introduced, that sort of elite mindset of how you you manage games as a coach. And last night, you saw Celtic regress back to a a more chaotic style 
And listen, I've said yesterday I think Neil Lennon's a good coach. I think they're more exciting to watch under him. Last night, they were ex- they were yeah. really exciting yeah. to watch, a lot more exciting than Brendan Rodgers' teams for the vast majority of the time that he was there. However, I don't think for a second that Brendan Rodgers would have lost to Cluj yep. with that with that lineup. Okay, and Chris, as you left the game last night, what were the what were our general feelings among the fans in terms of what needs to happen next? Yeah, just I think just the backing of um, in terms of if the board given Lennon money um, to use because. Maybe uh, Johnny was obviously saying that it went sort of like kind of highlighted the issues um, kind of going from zero to 100. Um, maybe it's a good thing that it happens when the window's still open. So, yeah, I, f- I think the, the same issues still remain, but I think it just, I left back um, definitely a more sort of a defensive-minded one. Um, another right back as well. Um, Gabby Mackay had an article on this on our website, Football Scotland, yesterday about Greg Taylor. Now, Greg Taylor's available for, I think, between 1 and £1.5 million pounds yep. on Kilmarnock, right? He's not a world beater. He's not a guy that's going to make a difference in the Champions League, but Celtic can't afford players like that. They need to develop them. And Greg Taylor's young enough, I think, to come in at Celtic and do a very fine job. Um, he's solid. He would have been a better option there than Callum McGregor. And uh, they could have had him for for a snip. Why they didn't spend that kind of money, I I don't know. I think that's on Peter Lowell ra- rather than Neil Lennon. Yeah. Because I think Neil Lennon was absolutely right not to play volleyball and goalie, as I've already said last night. I think a club of Celtic size having one r- recognised left back is mm-hmm. is really poor, and they've only got one recognised right back. Yeah. So do you think if uh, let's say Celtic? had Greg Taylor lined up immediately to replace Kieran Tierney and Taylor came in last week and he was registered in time for last night's game. Do you think Taylor starts at left back, McGregor starts in midfield, Celtic are a bit stronger at the back and dominate the midfield and there's none of the, or less of the problems that they had last night? Well, for me, I think they go through yeah. like, like that. Um, it's obviously very easy to say that in hindsight. Yeah. You don't know. There might be There might be different elements that come into the game. So, so you can't properly say, but I do think Celtic missed the composure and the way Callum McGregor moves the ball quickly in midfield. He also provides, well, he's not a naturally defensive player and he will make the odd mistake in terms of tracking men and things like that. He's much better at that than Olivier and Cham for me, mm-hmm. um, who I think can be a bit lightweight when he's playing against physically robust players. You can look a little bit... Um, like he's not interested in getting involved in a physical battle, yeah. and I felt that was the case last night. Yeah, I feel I feel that the defence, in terms of centre half, like I've Simonovic can can look like one of the basically the best centre centre half in the league in some games, but in other games he can look uh, just shocking, and I think that he's prone to. A mistake now and then, and I think that's going to be obviously you've got Iron there, and he's obviously doesn't have the confidence in Julian. I mean, is that an area that he needs to address further, bringing another centre half in as well? I mean, it's very odd that a seven million yeah. pound signing in Scotland would not be immediately a first pick yeah. or or making more of an impact. I mean, it's a little bit odd what's happening with Hellander at Rangers mm-hmm. that he's not coming, but Rangers two centre halves are playing exceptionally yeah. well. Yeah. Um, it's not maybe quite the same at Celtic with, with Simunovic. I, I personally think Ayer's a terrific player, uh, as I've said many times on this. But um, I'm surprised they're not playing Ayer and Julian. I'm, that's what I think most people expected that central defence to But like be. you were saying about Bellingham, I think 
Lennon was right to leave out Julian because mm. the game against Motherwell the weekend, he was getting kind of found out in aerial bat- battles against them. So going into the Cluj game, knowing that that's how they're going to sort of approach it, I think he was right to leave him out as well. Um, knowing that Siminovic has generally had a pretty good start to the season uh, with um, with Ayer, but last night that was his just kind of reverting back to that kind of the Siminovic the Celtic fans don't want to see making those mistakes and yeah it looks bad because there's seven million on the bench but I actually think that was right right decision like Bolingoli to leave him out but it's just they they should have had that left back in place for Tierney going they knew Tierney was leaving pretty much the full summer why do you not get if it's two you need in because he's a kid he's left as well get your starting and then get your cover in it's just mind-boggling really Celtic would have known not just that Tierney was almost certainly leaving but that it was going to happen on deadline day so they, they, they would have had all the time in the world surely to to line up Greg Taylor or whoever else it would have been well that's it they should have been in at Kilmarnock and dealing with Greg Taylor at the same time as the Tierney thing was getting signed off and I totally yeah. understand they say to Kilmarnock this is all conditional on Kieran Tierney moving if he doesn't move it doesn't happen um, if <laughs> I feel like what's going to happen in the next week is Greg Taylor's going to arrive at Parkhead yeah. mm-hmm. a week late yeah, um, and the fans are going to be expected to swallow that as, oh, you're getting a new left back. We've solved the left back issue. Yeah, well, it's, 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 Champions League's gone now, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, how you're managing the club in terms of its success. You say three times out of five, Peter Law says three qualifications out of five. That is success for me as a as a CEO of a of, of a club getting to the Champions League. And, and and I think in the last six, Celtic have only qualified twice. Yeah, I think it's just the worrying thing is they've just made the same mistakes as last summer, and that's that's the thing they failed to get the players in, and then Rogers they they didn't make it to the Champions League, and it was okay for Rogers because he had the two off the back of the two trebles, so it wasn't too much pressure on him. Although there was a lot of kind of criticism towards the board, but the thing about Lennon is he now all has all that pressure because his appointment wasn't sort of supported by everyone really, and. Now that he's, you're, you're saying to Johnny, is that going to cast a shadow? I think it potentially could, yeah. um, just because Rodgers recovered from that with his previous success, but Lennon doesn't have that to fall back on, and now yeah. the, he's up against it. One thing I'll say, Adam, that I should have said earlier on when you asked me that question, now that uh, Chris references it, is that um, where it might cast a shadow is that I think Neil Lennon's relationship with Celtic fans, and listen, this might be the social media bubble, mm-hmm. but I get a sense that his relationship with the fans... There's paper over some cracks there, yeah. And um, I think this result will will open some of those old wounds again. And in a very short period of time, he's going to Ibrox, a place where they didn't win all last season. Mm-hmm. And Rangers look strong. And the other thing about Rangers is the way they play at their best is very difficult for Celtic to deal with. High press, rapid counter attack power and pace all over the pitch Rangers problem is not Celtic Rangers problem is against the Kilmarnocks against the, the, the Livingstons yeah. on plastic pitches when they, they play a low block I think Celtic could be in trouble with that regard because Neil Lennon's relationship with the Celtic fans I feel is quite is quite fragile if they lose that old firm game it could get very interesting yeah they need to bring in a left back by then because they're going to lose the game and they can't I just feels like I'm signaling them out, but they can't play some of each other either because he's one at his best when he's sort of instinctive and you know 
kind of making clearances. But when he's pressured on the ball, like you said in that first half, he was just, he was just found out, and a lot of the Celtic players were. But I feel like they need to get Julian up to speed um, if it's him, and they need a left back in because they're gonna. I don't see them winning that game if that's kind of the way it kind of goes. Like Cluj last night, I think so. So yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> Okay, well that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at oldfirmfacts1, Chris on... Bye Chris Dyle. And Johnny at on... Johnny R. McFarlane. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.